just a reminder, if you need it, that we're going to be looking right the way through this term, right the way through to Easter, um, at some spiritual disciplines. Um, and my guess is that discipline is not is not the kind of favourite word for the 2020s. Um, it possibly hasn't been a favourite word for a generation or more. And yet, actually, we're talking about spiritual disciplines that are thoroughly liberating. Um, and Richard Foster, who a couple of generations ago wrote a classic, a spiritual classic called The Celebration of Discipline, actually calls the spiritual disciplines doors to liberation. That sounds good, doesn't it? Doorways into liberation. And I like to think of spiritual disciplines as being um, uh, rhythms or choices that we make in our lives that put us in places where God can meet us and where he can shape us and mould us into the kind of unique people that he wants us to be. And I think that puts a completely different gloss, doesn't it, on discipline. <laughs> that the, the, They put us in a place where God can meet us and God is desperate to meet with his people. And a place where we are shaped and moulded and transformed and readied to be the unique people that God has designed us to be. Um, and we've already thought about the disciplines of study and service. Uh, we're going on uh, next week, I think, to talk about prayer. We're looking at fasting and a whole series of things that are all about disciplines, choices, rhythms that put us in a place where God is, is more able to meet with us and a place where he's more able to shape us and mould us into the people that he wants us to be. Um, and I think the staff team probably sat around and thought, well, what's the most difficult discipline that we can give to Kevin to um, uh, preach to us about? Um, and uh, anyway, they've given me the discipline of simplicity. And I, I'm reflecting back on this part of 40 years in ministry. And I don't think I've ever before preached on the subject of simplicity. Um, but it's been a massive privilege to just think into what God might want to say to us about living simply as a choice and a discipline that puts us more regularly in a place where God can meet with us and actually helps to shape us and mould us into the kind of people that God wants us to be. Um, so I'm going to, our passage is actually from the Old Testament. It's from Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Uh, and Sarah, if you're ready, you're going to read to us from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10 through to verse 17. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a labourer is sweet, whether they eat little or much, but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there's nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that can carry, they can carry in their hands. This too is a grievous evil. 
As everyone comes, so they depart. Oh. Um, and what do they gain since they toil for the wind? All their days they eat in the darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. Thank you. And I'm going to come back to the passage in a moment. Um, but I guess looking at the whole breadth of what scripture has got to say on the issue of possessions and living simply, um, I think there are four key biblical um, features of simplicity. And I'm going to come back to these as we go through uh, this message. The first is lack of clutter. Lack of clutter. So that adding simplicity as a discipline into our lives means a decluttering of our lives, a thinning out of the volume of stuff that clutters and clogs up our lives. So that's the first thing, lack of clutter, um, which leads to there being, if there's less stuff, it leads secondly to more space. So less clutter, secondly, more space, because if stuff has been removed from our lives, then what's left has got more room to breathe. So adding simplicity as a discipline means there'll be more spaciousness in our lives. And then because there's less stuff, and this is the third feature of simplicity, there's more appreciativeness. In other words, we appreciate more what we have been given if there's less stuff and the extraneous stuff has been decluttered, what we're left with, we're much more likely to deem to be precious and to be grateful and appreciative for. And then because we're appreciative of those few central things in our lives, even the small things, we become, and this is the fourth feature, more generous, curiously. When we've got less, we're much more likely to want to give it away because we appreciate the difference that even the small things, the residual things that are left in our lives are, and so we want to give those away to other people. So simplicity for me is about less clutter, it's about more space, it's about a greater sense of appreciation, and it's about a whole dollar lot more of generosity all of which, going back to my definition of a spiritual discipline, puts us in a place where God can meet with us and puts us in a place where we can be shaped into being truly Jesus-shaped people. And we could look at this subject in, in so many different ways and from so many different angles. We could look at, at it, simplicity, as an interior quality something inside of us and the reality is that if our heads and our hearts and our insides are cluttered and preoccupied and congested then it's highly unlikely that we're going to be able to declutter on the outside yeah does that sound right give me a nod if we're clogged up and cluttered on the inside there is no chance whatsoever <laughs> that we will engage positively in a spiritual discipline of decongesting the outer parts of our lives. And let's be absolutely honest, today most of us are stuffing more and more into our heads than ever before in this world where communications have gone mad. 
and our hearts are in danger of being connected to a whole world of different things. And as that's happening, too much being pushed inside of us, too much attaching itself to our hearts, then it's no wonder that our spirits are exhausted and our souls are frazzled and uh, overladen. And a discipline of simplicity that we apply to, in, to the interior dimensions of our lives will mean an interior decluttering. It'll mean more inner spaciousness. It'll, been, it'll mean creating more time to dwell on the things that really matter. And it'll mean that well, there'll be a spirit of generosity that bubbles up on the inside of us. We could look at that and that's the sermon I'm not gonna preach. And the second sermon I'm not gonna preach is this. We could apply it to the stuff to the outer dimensions of our personal lives, our possessions, our money, our time, um, all the stuff. My wife would say, um, in fact, only today she said, Kevin, there must come a time when you declutter those books that you see behind me in my study. Um, I'm very resistant, very resistant to doing that. Uh, but let's be honest, many of us need to do some decluttering in our lives and many of us in fact perhaps all of us are in danger of being caught up in a consumerist materialistic world with all kinds of things that are attaching themselves to our lives and, and, and let's just remember and this is my disclaimer if you like that I'm talking to you today about uh, a discipline, a choice, a rhythm of simplicity, when the vast majority of people in our world have got no choice. <laughs> that simplicity is actually an economic reality for them. And I've been to enough places and seen enough people living simply because there's no alternative. <laughs> um, uh, friends, some of us will need to do some decluttering of our lives. And friends, this is a huge theme in scripture. I wish we heard contemporary theologians and preachers teaching more about the economic um, challenge of the gospel than we do about human sexuality. And there are human sexuality issues, of course, there are in the gospel. But there's much more that Jesus says. He actually says you can either serve God or mammon. That's what he says. Jesus is not neutral about the financial, economic, materialistic realities of the world. He actually sees it as a challenge to the primary place that we give to God in our lives. So maybe we've got to look actually at some decluttering that our attachment to mammon has actually brought into all of our personal lives. And as my dad used to say, if the cat fits, wear it. You know, and if the Lord speaks to some of us through this time and puts his finger on some mammon attachments that we need to start decluttering our lives from, then so be it. If the cat fits, then we need to wear it. Um, uh, and this passage from Ecclesiastes is not the sermon I'm going to preach. <laughs> okay, But there's so much here 
that reminds us that we might need to do some personal decluttering. Firstly, verse 10, um, material things never really satisfy. Whoever loves money never has enough. You notice that? Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Um, some billionaire was once asked, how much money is enough money in our lives? And he said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. It never actually, we never actually get to a point where it satisfies. Verse 11, what benefit are they other than to feast our eyes upon them? Verse 11, what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The danger that we buy things that we simply don't need and we look at them, we don't need them. <laughs> they're there for our they're there to they're there simply for us to look at rather than for, for us to to use. And verse 12, masses, masses of material possessions seems to create more anxiety rather than less. Have you noticed that in your lives? So verse 12, the sleep of a labourer is sweet, whether they eat little or much, but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. So muchness in material things actually can create more anxiety and create more sleepless nights for us. And verses 13 and 14, this materialistic world is fragile and we can lose it in an instant. And the writer of Ecclesiastes says there'll be, there can be nothing left for the children to inherit. We've built it up during our lifetime, but it disappears. It's so, so fragile. And then verse 15, the biggest reality of all, everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. That's the shocking reality, isn't it? We can build up our real estate, I can buy a library load of books, but I'm going to leave this world with no books, you know, as naked as I entered this world of material possessions. Um, and then verse 15 is shockingly sorry verse 17 is shockingly true all their days they eat in darkness with great frustration affliction and anger darkness affliction and anger sadly as the fruit of a materialistic consumerist obsession um, friends a discipline of simplicity will address all of this stuff in our lives like an axe faces up to the unnecessary branches on a tree. And I think the word sometimes has got to challenge us. And I wonder what the Lord is saying to us. And then the third sermon I could have preached is this, that we address the discipline of simplicity as a way of living counterculturally, so that we as individual Christians make a prophetic statement to a world that's more attracted to mammon than it is to God. What I feel God putting on my heart, though, and forgive me if I've taken a while to get here, but I wanted to kind of clear the territory. I think God wants me to explore this with you as it applies to the church. 
as it applies to the church. In other words, what does a collective discipline of simplicity look like for the church? We might say, what does simple church look like? In fact, what would Telford Minster look like? Pray God, what will Telford, Min what will Telford Minster look like if together we're adopting a discipline of simplicity that puts us in the place where God blesses us and that shapes us into the unique type of church that expresses what exactly what he wants us to be. Uh, this won't be simplistic church, and let's never confuse the two. Simple church does not mean simplistic church. But what is stripped down, no frilled church? What does that look like that's exercising a discipline of, of simplicity? And I read recently Stephen Cottrell, Archbishop of York, who's saying one of his hopes as we, the church comes out of the pandemic is that we might emerge a simpler, humbler, bolder church. Anybody with me on that? That as we come through this period of loss where so much has been chopped off our lives collectively, that we might emerge as a simpler and humbler and bolder church for the years to come. So here we are, I'm gonna apply those four dimensions, friends, to um, simple church, um, collectively living in a discipline of simplicity. We will be an uncluttered church. Pray God that Telford Minster becomes an uncluttered church. I think I maybe have shared with some of you before that when I became vicar of, of Neil Brace, which was like about 150 years ago, um, I walked into the building and I think all my successors had piled furniture into Neil Brace Church. You could hardly move for falling over bits of oak furniture. And in my spirit, I knew we had to declutter if we were to progress in any way at all. And we did that. And some of you know the story of the impact that that had on me. I think there are too many churches that are cluttered not with too much furniture, but are cluttered with too much, and hear the words, uncommanded activity. Churches that are cluttered with uncommanded activity. In other words, too much activity that is not connected to the core work of the gospel and too much activity that God is not asking us to do. That's got its origins and its roots, maybe in our enthusiasms and passions or in our commitment to the institution, but not to the Lord of the church. And friends, we will need to watch out as we go into this great adventure of Telford Minster and it can happen so subtly that we don't get so tied up in the mechanics of keeping the show on the road that we've no time left for one another, we've no time left for the mission of the church, and we've no time left even for God. And we need to watch out that we don't get caught up in trying to do too much that is uncommanded that God has simply not asked of us to do. And I'm going to shoot through this. It's far too, I'm already far too long into the message, but I just want to offer you a biblical text for each of these four points. And my text for 
a church living within the discipline of spirituality that's uncluttered, of simplicity, is uncluttered. My text is Matthew 13 and verse 7, which is in the parable of the sower. And it says this, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. You with me? Other seed fell among thorns. In other words, it fell into soil that was cluttered. Soil that was filled with too many different kinds of seeds. And what a warning in that parable that the thorns grew and took a hold of the, the plants that had, had grown from the seed of the word and pulled them down. What a warning to us about clutteredness in church life that can actually kill off, can suffocate the things that really, uh, really matter. We're going to need to thin out the weeds so that the good seed, the seed of God's word can grow. Okay, simple church will be uncluttered church. And secondly, because we've decluttered in our living simply, there's going to be more space. So churches living out of simplicity will be spacious churches. I just want to offer you a vision of an uncluttered church that becomes a wonderfully spacious place to be. So here's the text for this point, Psalm 18 and verse 19. He brought me out into a spacious place. Can we just say that together? <laughs> he brought me out into a spacious place. Again, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. What a great image of salvation that we're taken from a cramped place, a place of imprisonment, with the world and the flesh and the devil firmly in charge of our lives. And through Christ, he brings us into a broad and wide and expansive and gloriously spatial, spacious place, which is where he wants us as church to live and move and have our being. Okay, I can't help but add a second verse to go with this point. Uh, Galatians 5 verse 1, one of my favourite verses in the scripture. It is for freedom, friends, that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Churches living in godly simplicity will be spacious communities in which we live in the freedom for which Christ has set us free. And I think in church, friends, that's going to mean that we give our people space in their lives. And we don't trap them into an endless round of church activity and institutional organisation. I've been a number of people, you know, who are really pleased that we've got lockdowns so that they don't have to go to church. Some people who are even thinking, I probably won't go back even when I can. And what an indictment upon us. And don't let, friend, let's not think this is just the inherited traditional churches. This is right the way across the spectrum. 
where church becomes a place of imprisonment rather than a spacious place in which we live out the freedom for which Christ has set us free. It'll mean, secondly, that we give people space to explore the territory <laughs> into which they've been admitted through Christ and help them to see the Christian life as an adventure and not an obligation and help them to explore the territory and enjoy exploring the territory to enjoy the adventure and to dance the dance of freedom. And it'll mean thirdly now that we will welcome the Holy Spirit <laughs> right into the heart of the church because the Spirit loves to lead us into freedom. Any amens on that? The Spirit loves us to enjoy the freedom for which as Christ has set us free. All the images in the New Testament tell us about that. He is, an Old Testament, Ruach, he is wind. He is as free as the wind. <laughs> he is the dove who flies free. He is fire that nothing can contain. And he's river of living water who's always breaking the river banks. So I think if we're going to be occupying spacious territory, we'll be welcoming uh, the Ruach, the wind of the Spirit, the fire of the Spirit, the dove of the Spirit, the rivers of living water, and we're going to enjoy the journey in a spacious place. Simple churches will be uncluttered and spacious communities. And thirdly, there'll be places where we deeply appreciate the things that really, really matter. Because, we, because we've uncluttered, then the things that really, really matter will stand in clearer profile and we will be hugely grateful for them. Do you know we'll notice one another a bit more? We'll notice the people who are among us who are glum, and down at heart or down at heels, who are playing the Sunday lion, are you okay? Yes, I'm okay, when they're not okay. And I think we'll, note, we'll have time to lift our eyes, to notice the world around us, which is actually our primary purpose as the church. Not to be sucked into our inner life, but we're here to bring the kingdom across the whole landscape of the world's life. And, you know, we'll have time for those things, but most of all, we'll have time for God. Decluttered, living in the spacious place. We will have time for God. Because other things will take a lesser place in order that he can take a primary place and become our all in all. I'm sick of going to churches that are more interested in church than they are in the Lord of the church. Who get more excited about the church than they get excited about Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But if we declutter, if we're enjoying the space into which Christ has set us free to enjoy our freedom, then we will want him to be our all in all. We will love him more. We will worship him more. We'll crave his presence 
more than any lesser thing. He will be our primary focus, our first love, the one we listen to, the one we learn from, the one we set before ourselves day by day by day. And it's the deepest sadness of my life to see churches that have lost touch with God. That have lost touch with God. It's shocking. And let's be careful because too many spiritual movements have begun with God and have then become churches that do things for God. And then suddenly they found that they can be church without God. And it can happen to us. And it was the great David Watson, wasn't it, years ago, who said the sadness is that if you took the Holy Spirit away from most churches, 90% of them would continue to stand. Because we become self-reliant, self-focused, rather than God focused churches so here's the text for appreciative church hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 let us throw off everything that hinders declutter throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles head into a spacious place and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on who you tell me fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Are you, are you still with me? I know we're way long into this talk, but if we've decluttered and we've created space, then we will see Jesus more clearly and we will love him more dearly and we will follow him more dearly with deep appreciation in our hearts. Simple church will be uncluttered, spacious, and appreciative of that which is the main thing, the things that really matter. And fourthly, very briefly, simple church will be marked by immense generosity. Immense generosity. <laughs> because we're so appreciative of what we've been given, and we're enjoying all that we've been given so much that we can't but want to give it away to other people. Is that right? Am, am I speaking truth when I say that? We're so appreciative of what we have been given that we simply must give it away. And I do think that generosity, wonderfully, is the fruit of simplicity. It's amazing how ungenerous people can be who have got a lot and how astonishingly generous people can be who have got very little. It's one of the greatest indictments on Western culture. We give away, I think, less than individually, less than 0.5% of our income. What an indictment. What an indictment. But we're going to want to give away time, money, a new centre. We're going to want to give that away, aren't we? We don't want to just enjoy it for ourselves. We want to give it away. We'll want to give ourselves away. We'll want to give the gospel away. And I think it's the hallmark of a gospel community is the amount that we give away. 
the spirit of generosity that wells up within us and we simply can't help but give it away. So here's the text and I'm finished. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brings us to tears, doesn't it? You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus gave not out of his riches, but out of his poverty. And yet he makes through the cross those who receive him wonderfully spiritually rich. We don't wait until we've got plenty before we start giving away. We give out of our littleness, our tiny bit, our nothingness, our ordinariness. But by giving out of our poverty, we make others rich. Friends, is God asking Telford Minster, and I finish with this question, asking Telford Minster to live with a collective discipline of simplicity so that we are, and people notice this about us, an uncluttered people occupying a spacious place, deeply a deeply appreciative community with Jesus at its centre, a generous church that wants others across the whole landscape of Telford to have what God has so generously placed into our hands. May God make us, dare I say it, a simple church. Amen.